My name is Jenny Kwong. And I'm Nathan Taylor. Welcome to ArtsLink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary on Treaty 7 lands and Métis Region 3. So what do you have for us this month, Nathan? I'm bringing you uh, an interview with Gail Whitford. She is the director of Ophelia Rising, which will be a play at the Calgary Fringe Festival. I have an interview with Sarah Gibbs and Sue Ann Fu-Johnsik about their production Carpool that will be part of the Calgary Fringe starting August 4th. Hi, my name is Jenny Kwa for ArtsLink on CJSW 9.9 FM in Calgary. Today, I am speaking with uh, Sarah Gibbs and Sue Ann Fu-Johnsik for uh a play they are doing as part of the Calgary Fringe Festival called Carpool. So welcome both of you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, first of all, I'll start with Sarah. How did the idea for this project begin? Um, well, there was I'd say there's a fairly fairly lengthy germination um, for the project, despite it being just a just a 45 minute one act play. Um, Sue and I met about 10 years ago uh, when we were both working in the energy industry and both ended up becoming involved in community theater. Um, we kind of had an idea that we'd like to do something. We'd like to produce our own work, do something that would actually be representative of both of our experiences. And so, you know, after many years of batting around ideas and talking about working together, we we finally kind of bit the bullet and said maybe we would we would sign up for Fringe. So um, this show really came from wanting to look at more issues around you know, women's lives in contemporary Canada, about diversity, about the, the contemporary work experience after COVID. And um, and really we thought, you know, the, the demands of the daily commute would be an interesting way to sort of frame that and provide a bit of humor as well. Um, while we looked at kind of issues that were that were quite that were quite serious, but also but finding a way to present them in, in a kind of in a lighthearted fashion as well. Mm-hmm. And Sue Ann, what was your role in putting together this play? Um, apart from, I think, in being inspirational in the <laughs> journey, um, it was very much a, um, I think it's, a, what Sarah probably call it, labor love. When it comes to just capturing just our uh, experiences um, that would be that would be fun to to have an have an one act play. Um, essentially, my role is uh, is is actually just playing one of the characters uh, in this in this play. Um, and the character of Helen uh, is, uh, is 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 somewhat inspired by my my own life and experiences with some with some fun ads uh, that that Sarah had uh, as as writer put in. But uh, it's really about talking through the experiences um, of a of a mother of a, of a life of an immigrant um, around the um, the pressures uh, that come from being a, a, a you know a, a child of immigration essentially uh, but also balancing career and family and obligation and also uh, opportunistically uh, working in HR and all the all the fun items that have happened in HR after COVID so uh, the, those type of experiences are kind of what the character Helen goes through in in carpool. I guess you're fans of James Corden's Carpool Karaoke. Uh, how does the setup for the play work? Yeah. Well, it's funny you should say that because there is a musical interlude at one point. <laughs> um, yeah, this was, I mean, the, the carpool setup is, uh, I mean, James Corden is, is, has made us all love it. But I, I also, I thought the idea, having having seen Fringe shows before, knowing that really the best Fringe shows are shows that are kind of about these interactions of these characters that don't require 
you know, massive staging that aren't super complex in terms of, you know, we need 37 props and we need, a, we need you know, background sets and things like that. Ones that really focused on, on these character moments from the fringe shows that I'd seen had always been most successful. So I was looking in, in setting this up for something that would, that would be amenable to a fringe staging, but that would also create a sort force a sort of intimacy between two very distinct characters. I mean, my character is a bit of a schleppy IT, you know, person who just kind of makes herself overly at home in in Helen's very nice Tesla right off the bat. And um, but something that would be part of the day to day, but would demand that they be in proximity and that there would be a bit of a bit of enforced intimacy, because that was the way to start breaking down some of the the sort of barriers between these characters and hopefully help them to try and find some common ground, despite being very distinct personalities. Worlds so apart. Worlds yeah, apart. Worlds apart personality, but it really takes the, we hope to take the, take the audience to the journey of just um, reflecting these two characters who are seemingly simple in the beginning, but then kind of the, the, the evolution and just growing with them throughout the 45 minutes we have with them. And with musical interludes, we're not going to guarantee quality in terms of singing, but there is singing. Um, no dance numbers in the car, but uh, there is definitely some fun uh, musical interludes for the karaoke part of the uh, carpool. And so what was it like to develop the character of Ellen or Helen? It was, uh, I, I, as I said, it's, it, it was um, when, when Sarah had uh, written written the the play, uh, it, it, she she definitely injected um, like a good amount of a good amount of our life experience in it. So for me, um, reading through the script of of Helen and and just embodying the character was a self reflection of sorts as well, because it does talk about being um, an immigrant to Canada and um, just. The, the as I said the familial pressures the obligations but also as a as a as a career woman trying to climb that corporate ladder and balancing your career and family I, for me it's a, I resonate a lot with the character Helen and there's definitely some fun bits in there that uh, we'll save for the show but uh it, it was actually a really good journey for me personally to go through and uh and, and just personify these these really quippy uh moments that uh that uh, the two characters have to building a relationship and trying to really find that common ground where there seemingly was none in the beginning. And so, I Sarah, with it, uh, forty-five minute, uh, is it harder to write for a short, um, the, a short, short amount of time, or for longer pieces that uh, have more room to work with? It's kind of it's it's sort of an interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of compare the two because when I first started the first draft of this, I said, "Oh gosh, you know, like maybe forty-five minutes is a long time," and then. When Sue, I did a first draft that was very sort of bare bones, I would say. Sue read it and really gave a lot of useful feedback to me and made me feel more confident about how to approach writing both of these characters. And then to the point that, you know, I wrote a second draft that we've been cutting down since then. So I think what I like about the 45 minutes is that it gives you it gives you enough time, but it does force you to kill your darlings at those times. So it forces you to really say, what are the core elements of this story? What are the key developments? And it really, it stops you from getting too indulgent. So I think it's, I think it's a very challenging time frame to work with, but I think it can really help you see clearly what are the necessary elements of the story and, and that the kind of demands of that, that limited time really do help, help create a tight sort of, tight sort of script and a, and a, and a really kind of fast moving show. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and Sue Ann, uh, what is it like to work, work on a piece uh, aimed for the 
like the smaller venues that are in Inglewood? Oh, uh, I like, so I, I love live theater and um, intimate settings are always something that's super, super fun. Um, and you can kind of read your audience a little bit more intimately as well. Um, and this, because of the, because the play itself is in a car, uh, it kind of, I think it, 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 it really fosters that same feeling of like, oh, you're in the car with us. Right. Um, so I, that's, that's one aspect of the French festival and um, just in the, in the small venue that we're in, that will make it quite intimate that you're part along with the journey um, of us, you know, down crow child. <laughs> And I guess that's it for me for questions. Uh, anything like to add before we wrap up this interview? Um, yeah, I'd say, you know, we'd love we'd love people to come down. We'd love people to come down to the fringe just in general, even if you're even if you're drawn to other shows, because it is a wonderful creative space and a wonderful sort of it's the lovely thing for Calgary to do. It's a wonderful place that really helps helps young artists and new creatives really grow. And I'd say, but of course, see our show because not only will we touch on incredibly like interesting, meaningful topics within contemporary Canada, but the jokes come fast and dense, you know. So we're hoping that that you know you have a really good chuckle as well as get to kind of reflect on on the Canada of today and and where we're going as a culture as well. You might even sing along with us during the car karaoke, and we welcome I mean, that. So, like, audience interaction is always fun. So, uh, we'd love to have you come visit us and go along with the journey around carpool. Uh, our characters will love to uh, just just perform uh, and and show you what the the depth of the different the different characters are, and just how fun it could be to ride in a car with someone that you probably don't think you want to. <laughs> so. All right, thank you very much, uh, Sarah and Sue Ann, for your time today, and we'll see you at the Fringe. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Hi, this is Jenny again. That was my interview with Sarah Gibbs and Sue Ann Fujonsik about their play Carpool. It will be part of the Calgary Fringe. You can get tickets at www.calgaryfringe.ca. The event runs from August 4th to the 12th. This is Nathan Taylor for ArtsLink on CGSW 90.9 FM. We're covering the uh, Fringe Festival this uh, episode, and with me in studio is Gail Whiteford of the Unicorn Collective. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Nathan. Well, thanks for coming down uh, to talk to us about your play called Ophelia Rising. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is one of these recontextualized Shakespeare plays. We've seen it in Hollywood and other plays. My example was in elementary school seeing uh, Goodnight Desdemona, Good Morning Juliet. I'm curious, what brought you to want to make this story of Ophelia from Hamlet? Well, I was a high school drama English teacher, and I was asked to teach Hamlet. So over the summer, I read the play, and as I was reading it, I, I... I went, well, this is wrong. No, this can't be there, right? This is wrong. So I started taking notes, and the next thing you know, the notes turned into a play. So what about the story doesn't make sense from the point of view as us, the audience, watching Bill Shakespeare's Hamlet? I think the biggest thing is the ages of the characters. Uh, Hamlet went away to school when he was 14. He was there for 15 years. So he's about 30, 31, 32, we're not sure. Well, Ophelia, when Hamlet went away to school, was two. And she is now 
in Shakespeare's play Hamlet, about 15, 16 years old, which is quite mature for a uh, a young woman of the day. If you think about Romeo and Juliet, I mean, they were 13 and 15. And all of a sudden, we've got Hamlet, who's 30, and we've got Ophelia, who's about 15 or 16. And so I wrote the play from Ophelia's point of view. And she is presented as a 15-year-old teenage girl talking to the audience who has a little bit of a foul mouth. And she wants to explain how, as she put it, Bill Shakespeare, that idiot, got the story wrong. Indeed. Now, uh, if we could go over quickly for our listeners, sure. forgotten the context of, of the character of Ophelia. Mm-hmm. So she's ostensibly the love interest of Hamlet, who then goes mad and dies off screen. It's all very anticlimactic, as mm-hmm. we see it in uh, Hamlet, the play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, what is it about her that is just so um, unreachable in, in, the, in the play? And what are you trying to rectify in the play that you made? Well, two things. First of all, I think ha- uh, I think Ophelia is very underpresented in Hamlet. I mean, she's on, she goes mad, she dies. And that's about it. Uh, so I wanted to present her as a real person, not just this pathetic, as she calls herself in the op- one of the opening lines, Hi, I'm Ophelia. You know, the pathetic, sad one who kills herself, not... And I wanted to give her a chance to explain what went on. So Ophelia talks to the audience in modern language as a 15-year-old teenage girl. And then she takes the audience back into the actual play Hamlet by William Shakespeare and then points out what's wrong with that scene. So this is still be, um, you know, if an entry level, if you don't know Hamlet too well, don't worry about it, right? If you don't know Hamlet too well, you don't need to worry at all. And ha- Ophelia explains the scenes to you and the as the audience. So, yeah, you don't need to know it at all. If you know Shakespeare, fine. Uh, if you know Shakespeare and have read Hamlet, this gives a different viewpoint. And if you know that you're going to be taking Hamlet in school in your grade 12 year, do not explain how Shakespeare was wrong. (laughs) Right. Now, you're able to have quite a lot of fun with this convention of uh, behind the scenes in Shakespeare. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, the cast is having a really good time. Uh, The other thing is that it is a comedy. And so... I hear the cast backstage when we're rehearsing when someone says a line or walks a certain way, um, snickering. And the whole idea, since it's from Ophelia's point of view and her memories, the rest of the cast walk and behave like marionettes because she's controlling the scenario so we spent all last night at rehearsal getting the marionette moves down positively so that the actors could use them. Plus, everybody except Ophelia is in black and wearing a mask because they're hiding the truth, whereas Ophelia has no mask because she is telling the truth. 
Well, this is very interesting to hear about the rest of your actors and, and how you mm-hmm. came up with that. So um, not exactly picturing a one-person performance here. No, 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 no. There's eight people in the cast. So uh, I, I quite like this. Uh, the, the marionettes, the masks, this mm-hmm. is all metaphor turned real. Mm-hmm. This is uh, Shakespearean in its, its very definition, isn't it? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And they play various players. So the two courtiers... Uh, Voltamond and Cornelius also play the grave digger and the priest. And they change their masks to portray those characters. You mentioned earlier off mic that you came from a world of improv as well as teaching drama. Yes, yes. So does this, uh, was improvisation uh, part of your your process in making this? It was for Ophelia, Uh, not for... The Shakespearean characters, they are actually doing the text from Hamlet. So you can't improv with vocally and with uh, dialogue when you're doing Shakespeare. But a lot of their actions are, we've been playing with it, and they're funny. Wow, it's amazing to think that you have such uh, strict, rigidly structured uh, acting with someone that's improvising in the midst of them. Yes, yes. And that's it. Rigid, rigidly structured explains how they move. Uh, uh, could you tell us a little bit about how this play came to be in terms of mounting the production, uh, the obstacles you had to overcome? Um, the biggest obstacle was, well, the first big obstacle is I wanted to put it on at Fringe. And they had a, a lottery about who got into Fringe this year. And I, my play, Ophelia Rising, was the last one picked. So I was very excited. And then finding money to mount a play like this is not easy. People don't realize, yes, you have to pay Fringe for the rights, you know, for putting on the play. Plus, you've got to find a rehearsal space. Uh, that cost money. So I was very, very and fortunate in that I had an angel in Fabrici Foundation for the Arts who is run by, strangely enough, a student, former student of mine from the 1970s. Uh, and uh, she has been following my career as a actor, director, writer, and we meet each other quite a bit and chat. And she said, well, you need money. I'll give you some money. And that just saved the day. All of a sudden, I didn't have to worry about that. I just had to worry about getting actors and directing the show. And I was very fortunate that Silver Stars, a musical review company, was willing to come on lo- on line with me basically so they arranged a rehearsal space for me and so many people have helped me produce this play it's amazing it really sounds like the uh the community is very strong here oh they it's an incredible community and i'm so fortunate to have been part of it for over 50 years 
I want to ask another question about the rehearsing because you mentioned that you were doing you know rehearsing late into the night and whatever. Mm-hmm. Because you have someone that is doing improv amongst all this structure, are you finding surprises as you rehearse running up towards this uh, the the date of of performance? Oh, we did. Yes, I mean we are in the final week and a half of rehearsals, so everything's set now. But at the beginning, there was a lot of playing going on, and uh, a lot of especially uh, Brian Smith, who plays Hamlet, uh, has created some incredible movements that are so funny, it's frightening. (laughs) Could you give us and the listeners an idea of what it means to be an actor doing Shakespeare, especially when uh, the playwright like yourself is sort of throwing a spanner into the whole works? Is it a challenge to be, you know, a dyed-in-the-blue, you know, Shakespearean actor and then have this chaos? Actually, very few of my actors were dyed-in-the-blue Shakespearean actors. They belong to the Unicorn Collective, and that's why it's a collective, because I have a group of people who I trust, who are brilliant actors, and who are willing to work for me for really a pittance of money. And I've been working with this same group for a number of years. So last year, uh, I wrote... Uh, the War Brides Are Coming, which uh, was a World War II story about my mother coming to Canada as a war bride. And we put that on, and I think four, five of the cast I have right now for Ophelia Rising were in that show, and they're going to be in my Remembrance Day show this year, uh, The Dam Busters, A Ghost Story, because it's the 80th anniversary of uh, the Dam Busters raid. And I know I can trust these people, and I know they will do an incredible job, which they are doing. On Facebook and Instagram, there is a website called the Unicorn Collective AB. You have to put the AB in because there's a lot of unicorn collectives. Uh, On there are pictures of all the cast in full mask and character and a brief description under uh, each of them with who they are and what their attitude is and a flower that represents them because, of course, in Hamlet, flowers are all important. You can also see a couple of videos that were made by my very talented son-in-law, one of me just talking about the play and one of me pretending that I'm in a newsroom with breaking news about Ophelia's shocking news that Shakespeare got it wrong. Well, I'd like the audience to know that this is a play for everyone, not just for Shakespearean scholars or adults. Chil- uh, young people can go to the show. I mean, Ophelia is 16, 15, 16. So I hope that they will empathize with her plight. The ending is, well, uh, Chelsea who plays Ophelia, Chelsea Howell Fellows, who plays Ophelia, had the cast in tears at the end of rehearsal last night. So it's such a variety, she presents such a variety of emotions. And we're down at the Woods Homes Conference Center. Go to Fringe Festival, the Calgary Fringe uh, website, and you'll see our dates, and you'll see our times. And let's face it, for 20 bucks a ticket, wow. Yeah. So yeah. come see it and 
be prepared to be made to think whether maybe Ophelia is getting it right. That was my conversation with Gail Whiteford of the Unicorn Collective. Her play Ophelia Rising will be performed at Woods Homes in, at the Inglewood Hub from Saturday, August 5th to Saturday, August 12th. Make sure you visit calgaryfringe.ca for your tickets. Well, that's all the time we have for Arts Link this month. Thanks for listening and tune in next month on August 28th.